the Bright Wall Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. The Bright Wall Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. If you would like to help our production, go to patreon.com slash empty square to become an official backer. Okay, I can tell you how it started, but I'm going to be completely honest with you. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to sound crazy and like I'm making it up as I go along, but I swear to you, this is how it happened word for word. I mean, like, why would I lie at this point, right? It's not like I have a ton to lose. I was living in a small apartment just outside of Toronto, Canada. I had just been turned down for another job at another newspaper, which was thrown onto the pile of turned down jobs from 14 other newspapers, three TV gigs, six online subscriptions, and four screenplays that were turned down by Netflix. Honest to God, Netflix. They greenlight literally everything. I mean, did you see Disjointed? Exactly. No one did. And I couldn't even get them to give me a second look. I mean, even my blog wasn't getting as many hits as it used to. Things were low, I guess you could say. I was looking for anything to keep things afloat. I would go to literary agents to try to get something going, like a fire started, but they all told me basically the same thing in that I didn't have a good enough idea, I didn't have a good enough story, I didn't have a good enough thing to grab people's attention, and, you know, that gets demeaning after a while. Like, I'm, I'm used to rejection letters, but 45 in a row start to grade on you. So I was looking for anything to gain some sort of traction, and... Look, I'm not proud of this one, alright? It's not... It's not a good look for me, but you gotta understand the place I was in at the time. I had a 200 square foot, no bedroom apartment in Toronto, and that was still costing me 1400 a month just to live there, and I wasn't making rent this month. And everywhere I look, I saw what was going on on the news, and it was all shock. You know, for, for such a prudish society... We love it when people die on camera. Seriously, watch the news for like a month and tell me how many stabbings you hear about. If it bleeds, it leads isn't just a catchy saying for fun, you know? I had hesitated about it for so long. Because I, I wanted to be the person to that like helped people, you know? I, I wanted to bring national attention to the downtrodden, help people raise money for good causes, use my platform for good, but I couldn't use my platform for good if I didn't have a platform, right? So I, I gotta do something to get myself out in the open, and then I can pivot to do what I actually wanted to do. And, and yeah, you know, people might be mad about it, but in, like in the long run, eventually, that's, it would be worth it, right? Like that's, that's, it would be good in the long term. Is what I told myself anyway, I guess. I was trying to justify it to myself. I, Yeah, I don't know. In such a big city, there's bound to be places where the crime rate is higher than others. And the people wanted blood and guts news stories. And that's what I got to give them. You know, you, you, you got to give them what they want. So I have a, I have a friend who... I, I, I guess you could say he, he knows the streets better than I do. 
I guess you could say he's got like friends in low places. You know, he, he's got um, right people in wrong places. I guess you could. He uh, he's 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 a drug dealer. I know I know drug dealers. Okay, that's he'll never know. I told you about him. Who cares? You make these kinds of connections when you're looking for these kinds of news stories, and he's been invaluable to me when it comes to this kind of stuff. Anyway, I asked him about anything going on, and he told me there was some sort of, like, drug deal going down. It involved two guys who were pretty up high in the organized crime food chain. And from what he told me, and I'm quoting directly here, there was going to be an absolute ass ton of cocaine. Hot damn, right? So I'm on my way with bells on. I go to B where he tells me to be. I bring a camera and I bring a notepad to write notes in the dark, I guess. I just realized how stupid that looks. I don't know. It seemed like a good idea at the time. My point is I was going to record things in secret and sell it to the highest bidder. You know, an honest-to-God drug deal going down with two guys who I guess are good at drugs? You know, People are going to want to see this kind of thing. Morbid curiosity for the win. So I, I set up and I wait and I'm sitting there for probably like three hours before something happens and it is pitch black. You can't see a damn thing in front of your face. I made sure the camera has like a night vision kind of thing so they can kind of make out what's going on. Uh, the folks meet. It's just two of them at first. I, I can't really make out any of their faces so I can't ID them. But the recording was good enough. You could see what was going on. They exchange words for about five minutes or so, and then they start backing up trucks. Like these huge trucks just filled to the brim with what I gotta assume to be cocaine. Probably 15 guys altogether, and they start hand-bailing bricks from one truck to another. Drug deals and Amazon warehouse shipping look almost identical. Kind of a, a fun fact there, I guess. Things looked like they were going off without a hitch. Drugs were in places, money was exchanged in briefcases, like... Somebody had seen way too many Martin Scorsese movies. And everybody looked to be like they were on their way until the guy who got the money stopped and beckoned the other guy back. And they started talking again. Well, I, I got, talking's a bit of a misnomer. Yelling. They, there was more of a yelling. Uh, whatever was going on, he wasn't happy with it. Anyway, the guy who brought the drugs made a motion to leave, but the briefcase guy stopped him. And then there were so many guns. Like... Everyone had some sort of weapon on them, and I froze. And yeah, they couldn't see me, nobody knew I was there, but I'm pretty sure I held my hands up in the air just to prove that I was unarmed. The yelling became faster and more frenzied, and before I knew it, they started shooting. Now, gunfights in real life aren't how they look on TV. They're a lot faster, and they're a lot less intricate, but, you know, through the loud pops ringing through the air and the occasional yell of pain that intercut them, I saw somebody grab a briefcase and run like hell. It was over in less than 15 seconds, and I'd wager, out of everyone who was there at the start, maybe six of them were dead. I felt sick to my stomach. I know this kind of stuff happened, and I knew this was a possibility, but I was kind of hoping things would be a little bit more clean and straightforward. I had to leave. Fear shot through me like a lightning bolt, and I ran like hell up and out and back home. I don't think anyone saw me, because if anyone knew I had been there, I probably wouldn't have made it back home alive, let alone with the video of evidence I had. 
I sat with it for a couple of days debating what to do with this kind of thing. Which, you know, was already kind of a choice. If I really wanted to, I could hand it over to the police immediately and be done with it. But at least I didn't rush out to the market immediately to get it sold. But, like, I, I knew the choice I was going to make. I, I just figured if I waited a while, it would make me look better to people when I told them the story. And judging by the way you all look right now, I, I don't think it did. Anyway, I brought it around to every one of the local news stations, and every single one of them made me an offer. I can't tell you how much it was for, but let's say I wouldn't have to worry about rent for a while. I sold it off and collected what I could. I didn't really know what to expect afterwards. I, I thought maybe, like, after the first one, jobs would just start flying out of the woodwork and I could move on with my life, but they didn't. Not even close, to be honest. It was only a few weeks before I found myself right back to where I was the first time. To me, unfortunately, the choice had been made. Or so I thought. This is what people wanted. This is what they'll pay for. And this is what I'll have to give them. And I kept it up. I would get some knowledge from one of my friends on a deal or something like that going down. I would film everything that happened and then sell it off under a pseudonym. I figured if they ever gave me a real job, I would tell them the truth in my real name, but there's no reason to drag my name through the mud like this right now. I got everything. I got drug dealers. I got batteries and assaults. I got just straight, full-on fistfights. And yeah, sometimes... Sometimes you would catch murders, and, and sometimes people would die. And I would catch it on camera. And no, to answer your next obvious question, I did nothing to stop it. I just filmed it and made money off of it. This went on for a while. Uh, longer than I'd, I'd like. And I, I was starting to make kind of a name for myself. Well, the, the pseudonym made a name for it. Ah, oh, you get it. I was getting stations from all over the country, even sometimes internationally, asking for footage, offering insane amounts of money for anything I was willing to give them. It was kind of sad to see, honestly, but the money wasn't. <laughs> In less than a year, I had moved out into an actual house. I bought a car. I bought better equipment to record with. I was making this as legitimate and professional as I possibly could, given the circumstances. I'd be lying if I said I didn't take a little pride in it. I mean, I even made a website for people to contact me. I had my platform that I had wanted for so long. My girlfriend at the time was over the moon that I was starting to get the ball rolling. She didn't know the extent of it. I, I refused to tell her, and I hid almost every recording I ever took from her. I figured once I made the switch over to legitimate news, it wouldn't be such a big deal, and we could all move on, and she wouldn't have to know, but, um... Unfortunately, she's she's no longer with us. There was a uh and it, um it's it's not important uh to the story I'm telling right now. The the point is the money was coming in and people knew who I was sort of. Uh I didn't even need to record stuff half the time. Sometimes people would send things to me to send to other people. I could just kind of rest on my laurels until one day I got a letter in the mail. I had set up a P.O. box a little ways away because people like to send in tips on when the next 
messed up thing was happening. So this wasn't like completely out of the ordinary or anything. But what was strange was that the envelope was completely blank. You know, there was no name, mine or his, no address, no return. Whoever it was literally walked out and stuck this in the mailbox themselves. And because for some reason I had no fear of letter bombs or anthrax packages, I opened it up in the middle of my house like a moron. Inside were clippings of a newspaper and a couple of Polaroid pictures taken around what I now realize was the town of Brightwall. The news clippings were all really small, not even a half a page story. And they were all looks at the strange cases that popped up, you know, invasions and disappearances and locusts that one time. All manner of crazy things like that. And I, I had never even heard about this before. It all sounded so crazy. I had to double check to make sure this wasn't like The Inquirer or some kind of tabloid magazine. And, you know, somebody wasn't messing with me. Next to the pictures and the news clippings was a small note and about $5,000 in cash. The note was handwritten and apparently very quickly. All it said was, please help. He's gone missing. I miss him so much. And attached was a picture of Danny. I brought them in today so you can all see what I'm talking about. This was the first time I had ever even heard of Brightwall or Danny's disappearance in my entire life. I couldn't even find this place on a map. Uh, I still can't, to be completely honest. Although, I haven't tried in a while. I don't know why this person chose me specifically. You know, maybe they thought my experience with, let's call it, underhanded dealings would mean I have a little bit of knowledge into what's going on and I could find them quicker than the local police, or at least try. But to me, this was my pivot point. I could help this person find their lost loved one and really make a go for it, you know? Get out of this decrepit moral cesspit I find myself in. The next week, I got on a bus and made my way to Brightwall to try to break this case. I decided to set up the podcast as a way to document things to get my name out there as a decent guy trying to help people. I'm not really a detective or even a real journalist when you think about it. I, I don't even know who sent me the envelope in the first place, which... In retrospect, you'd think I would have looked that up when I first got here. I imagined it was some loved one, a parent or significant other, trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. But when I started looking into Danny, I discovered that he has no family in town. Or any, really, to speak of. He was orphaned at a young age and single, as far as anybody knows. Which honestly makes me wonder, do you think it was somebody outside of the town that sent me here? Like, they just made up their affiliation with Danny to try to prey on my sentimental side and get me here all the faster? Of course, they would have to have known me, or at least knew of me, for quite some time to know that I had a sentimental side and I was a sucker for helping people out like this. Hey, I don't suppose anybody in the court right now wants to just stand up and let me know that they were the ones who sent me here, would they? No? What about, what about you, sir? You would... No, you, you look like you were going to raise your hand or stand up or something. You're going to admit to me your whole plan? No? Oh, all right. Well, so this is worth a try, I guess. The problem with this whole case is that I, I feel so tantalizingly close to an answer. And I just keep getting pulled away, you know? Like, I thought for a second that Danny didn't even exist and that this was a trap for me for some kind. You know, like one of those things where they tell people with outstanding warrants that they want a boat 
and then they arrest them. But it can't be that because I got a call from Danny the other day. It, you guys, you guys look surprised. You, you didn't know that Danny called me. Do you guys not listen to my show? I recorded it and everything. It was the last episode. Okay, anyway, Danny is alive somewhere. I just don't know where. And I know he was taken by mud men. You guys remember the mud men? Yeah, everybody? Okay. So he was taken by mud men down to some underground cave and tunnel system, brought to some kind of like hive thing. And then what? You don't just disappear from that kind of thing. Or I guess maybe in this town you do. I, I I don't know. I haven't really been around long enough to really know. But I'd bet like a thousand dollars you guys have had somebody just like disappear on you. So the big question is, where did the mud men come from? Have you guys put like any research into that at all? Like why these things keep coming to your town? It's just so weird that it's so localized and no one seems to know about it. I, I guess... It isn't localized anymore because I'm here and I can bring like an outsider's perspective onto these kinds of things or, and the audience can too. I sometimes get emails from other people about what they think is happening. And it's, it's kind of funny because even though I don't know what's going on, these guys are like way off. My favorite one was that Danny is an actual, Danny is a secret mud man himself. And this was all a ruse to get him back to his home planet. I, which, I mean, like, come on. Things here are ridiculous. But I don't think we're in 1970s Doctor Who episode ridiculous, right? Cracking through time and space and dimensions. and <laughs> Wait. What if, what if that's it, actually? Not, not that Danny is a Mudman thing. That's stupid. But, like, what if it's another dimension kind of thing what if like hear me out okay so what if like the mud men are from an alternate universe somehow that faded into ours for a couple of minutes that would explain why they disappeared just as quickly as they appeared and left no real trace of them being here and danny danny's not dead they didn't kill him he just went to that other pocket dimension and is trying to get out but then how did he call me the other day? You can't just call people from a different dimension, can you? And like, oh. Unless maybe because his phone was from this dimension and he latched onto a signal from theirs and it crossed over. Does that make sense? No, right? That's crazy. Like, but is it any crazier than all the other stuff I've seen since I've been here? I mean, it was men... Made of mud. I've seen a woman without a tongue. How is that a bigger leap than any of the dimension stuff? As soon as I get my mind around the fact that nothing here makes sense, everything is going to make so much more sense. Look, Your Honor, I'm I'm not anything special, okay? I'm just good at pointing a microphone at the right people to get the proper information we need. I, I may have seen terrible things and I may have sat by and watched them happen but one thing I never did was cause them I never stole from anyone I never beat anybody up I never made news for myself in order to film it I'm not I'm not a good person for that that's just kind of basic humanity and I'm not trying to take the moral high road right now but I, I understand, given the situation I found myself in, it must look, and how it must look to everybody here, I, you can check every single one of my stories throughout the years, 
and all I did was watch. And yeah, that's guilt through inactivity, and it's a terrible thing, and I'm not happy about it. But to assume I'm the one who killed Danny just to make this a news story isn't my M.O. There are so many weirder things going on for that to make sense. I wanted to, and still want to, and will continue to, make this world a better place. So not only did I not kill Daniel Ingram, I don't even believe he's dead. I just believe he's alive and scared somewhere and he needs somebody to help him out to find a way to link these dimensions together and bring him back to the other side. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to pull that off, but it's the best idea I've had since I've started looking. And I understand how crazy this all sounds. I, But this is why somebody brought me here, to find the link between these two worlds. I think I can find out what happened here, and I think I can make this place a better place for everyone. Aren't you guys tired of having random nonsense making it feel like it's unsafe to work here? How can you live when you're constantly in fear of a giant bird made out of mashed potatoes ripping the baby from your arms? I don't think there is a single person in this courtroom, nay, in this town, who can accomplish this better than I can. Someone else out there knows that too, and that's why they brought me here. Your Honor, I may be kind of a scumbag, and I may deserve every harsh and demonic thing that's going to come down the pike and choke me, but before I go, I can at least try to redeem my actions and make life here better. All I ask is for a second chance, and I can prove to you that Danny is alive, and together we can put a stop to this crazy merry ground of nonsense we find ourselves in. I know I don't deserve it, but I am throwing myself down at the mercy of the court. Look into your hearts, deep into your souls, and scrounge up every ounce of forgiveness you have for a man who has done wrong and wants to put it right at least one more time. And I promise, with every fiber of my being, with every ounce of blood and sweat and tears I can manage, until my last dying breath, I will not let you down. Interesting proposal, Mr. Cooper, if not a little rambling and long-winded. Prosecution, do you have a rebuttal? Uh, yeah. Everything he just said is bullshit. Works for me! Guilty on all charges! Wait, what?! You are hereby sentenced to immediate death by firing squad! Wait, what?! This concludes our broadcast day.